So what we'll do is we'll uh, allow Mrs. Gaines to do some, give you some tidbits about how the event's going to go today, uh, what to look forward to, and what uh, the necessities you'll have just to enjoy yourself here. Hold on. Good morning. Just wanted to, for those that are not familiar with our church, just wanted to let you know for restrooms, ladies' restroom is right here. Men's restroom is through that door. There are signs above each area. Feel free to get up at any point if you need to go and take care of that stuff. If you want food throughout the event, please feel free to get up. Just please don't walk in front of our speakers. Kind of go down the aisle and to the back. We'd appreciate that. We have three sessions total today. We're going to probably run through the material roughly about 50, 55 minutes each session. We will give you a chance to ask questions briefly at the end of each, and Pearl and Walter will, will kind of direct how that will go. There is a 10-minute break for a little bit more refueling if necessary. And at the end, we will have a giveaway, so we will let you know how that works when we get to the bottom, okay? Anybody have any questions about anything? Okay. So welcome to our discussion today. Uh, on the Art of Marriage, uh, hosted by Walter and Pearl Kahn. And they're going to st uh, stand out right before you because they're dressed together. They look alike. I didn't, I didn't wear anything to dress alike with my wife today, so they'll stand out very nicely. You'll see them. Uh, Walter and Pearl Kahn are members of our church, uh, Akron Alliance Fellowship. Uh, Walter was born in New Orleans and raised in Cleveland, Ohio. From the age of five, uh, he served in the Air Force until 1972. He does not have any biological children of his own, but he currently works for uh, Sarda in Canton, Ohio, as a city bus driver. Now, Mr. Uh, he's very modest about this. He's been driving a bus for over 40 years, so he has a lot of expertise in this area, and he's doing a great job with that. Uh, Pearl was born in DeRitter, Louisiana, and raised in Houston, Texas. She moved to Ohio in 1996. Pearl has two sons who are 32 and 35 years old, and she currently works for Summit County Jobs and Family Services. And both Walter and Pearl have three grandchildren, uh, a two-year-old and nine-month-old twins. So they are busy doing babysitting every now and then, too. Amen. And with that in mind, we're going to turn the program over now to uh, uh, Mr. and Mrs. Kahn. Please uh, welcome Walter and Pearl Kahn. Good morning, and welcome. Morning. You each should have some red folders uh, in front of you. And what we thought we would do is start with an icebreaker. Uh, that first sheet of paper in there, it says, why did you get married? We'd like for you guys to go ahead and take that. Uh, we're going to give you about two minutes. The third sheet. It's titled, Why Did You Get Married? If you could go ahead and take about two minutes, complete that. 
And what we would like, uh, especially if you are a couple today, if you hear some materials that might apply, you think, to your spouse, please don't nudge him or her or give them the eye <laughs> today. I don't know if uh, you checked out our, our book table over there. Uh, those are materials that me and my husband have invested in. Um, love must be tough. Um, fight fair. Satan, you cannot have my marriage, things like that. Um, we also have over there the singles. We didn't leave them out either. Uh, most of those collectors, <laughs> the single items over there, boundaries and dating, uh, I think uh, sacred sexuality. I, as a single, went through some of those uh, materials. Uh, we didn't have room to uh, bring our whole library that we have. Uh, my husband and I also, uh, we went through a material called um, Before You Remarry, because we are, each of us, remarried individuals. He's been married before. I've been married before. Uh, so we just wanted you to know that we could probably identify with wherever you are in your walk in life. Uh, I've been a single woman, married, a divorced woman, widow, because my ex passed away shortly before Walter and I uh, married, and now I'm remarried again. So... Uh, don't feel that we are up here throwing rocks. We probably can identify with some stuff in whatever area you're in in life. So with that being said, we're going to let you complete that. Give you a few minutes. Okay, looks like uh, most of you might be uh, finished. Uh, before we go over uh, that, we're going to uh, play a short video for you uh, this morning. Say, the one, one, one. 
We should never enter into marriage with an open door policy or a mindset that, okay, this may not work. We enter into marriage that says that this is my life for the rest of my life, and this car has no reverse. My marriage has to tell the truth about God. And that's, I don't, we don't always think about marriage in that light. We think about loving one another, taking them out to dinner, having great vacations, and all that stuff is wonderful, sexual interaction, all that stuff is really great. But the truth of the matter is, the ultimate purpose of a marriage relationship in human history, frankly, is that marriage is to reflect and to tell the truth about the God we're related to and whose image we bear. I think it starts with just recognizing that marriage is more than me. It's, it's not something, it's not a device or an apparatus that God has given us that simply services ourself or simply meets our needs, but it exists for a bigger purpose, a more glorious purpose. And that, that's where we go back to Ephesians 5, and, and, and we're told in Ephesians 5 that, that it is a profound mystery that actually reflects the reality of, of Christ's love for the church. And so it, it, it's being in marriage with the reality that, that while what takes place in our marriage each and every day is significant, it's important, that there's something far more significant and important going on. There, there's a statement, there's a, a testimony, there's a, 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 a parable that's playing out that, that reveals something about God. That, that marriage is embedded into culture as a gospel testimony that is always making statements. The only question is whether it's a good statement or a bad one. So did everybody see the reason you got married? Yes. <laughs> I got married for love. <laughs> and many people do get married for different reasons. Some of the top reasons are love, companionship, to signify, to signify a long life, commitment, security, and financial stability, religious beliefs, and family pressures. So with that said, we know that love happens. Well, we wouldn't be here at this conference today. God designed marriage to be a covenant and not a contract. What's the difference? Well, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> a contract is actually based on legalism and leverage. And legalism, outwardly performance, 
instead of inward change. Con- a, con- a covenant, my tongue is drunk this morning or something, is based on love and loyalty. A contract lasts as long as we both shall love, live, love, but a covenant lasts as long as we both shall live. A contract requires the signature of names, while a covenant requires the binding of hearts. Hebrews 13.4. Hebrews 13.4. Marriage should be honored by all, and the marriage bed kept pure, for God will judge the adulterers and all sexual immorality. The ultimate purpose of marriage is to reflect God's image and to glorify him. Genesis 1:26, let us make man in our image. God is interested in reproducing his character and image in his creations. God created them as a unit to reflect him. It takes both a man and a woman in oneness to truly reflect his image. He uses the married relationship to foster character development in one another. Iron sharpens iron. Marriage couples are to model the relationship that God wants between Christ and the church. Additionally, parents are to develop character in their children so they too can resemble Christ. Okay. Self-gratification can blind a person from uh, seeing the needs of others. And what that says to me is marriage is not about you, me. Marriage is uh, specifically what God has said it should be exemplifying, uh, his image. And in his image, and when we're portraying that, um, we're going to be serving the other person. Uh, And what I also discovered is that, as you saw in the video that we briefly played there, It is just as important to become the right person as it is looking for that right person. As he indicated, the right person is not even biblical. Uh, It's a myth that uh, most uh, people come to the table uh, with. So uh, as a single, we need to be preparing to become the right person before we even uh, enter into this thing we call uh, the marriage uh, covenant. And after marriage, if you're already married, you should uh, continually be working on you yourself becoming that right person rather than looking for your spouse or your significant other uh, to be the right person that you chose or trying to make them into being uh, the right person. Uh, And let's talk about Christian singles. Uh, Singles should not be marrying non-Christians. That's just uh, a conflict of faith. Uh, There are a couple of things that we should be gauging uh, uh, as a single individual. 
uh, do the both of you have a heart for God? That's the num- number one thing. Uh, is Jesus Christ at the center of your relationship? That's a conversation you need to be having uh, as a single to that one that you might think might be the right one, if you would. Um, are you both pursuing God? That was one of the things as a single. I asked God to send me somebody that had already started that path for themselves, that was already pursuing that as an individual. Uh, and will you coming together make the both of you more effective for the Lord? So uh, that is just something as a single, it was a deal breaker for me. Uh, we should not be secret agent Christians, even in our relationships. Um, if you're married already, you shouldn't be a secret agent uh that should be, uh, in our household, I know that's oftentimes one of us will come to the table when there's some, some, some issues going on and, whoa, wait a minute, that's not of God, did we pray about it, you know. So uh, if as a single, uh, single Christians, you're not looking at those things uh, prior to a marriage, it's probably going to cause uh, some issues. Uh, ignoring God's design for marriage, I do know one thing is going to lead to some chaos, some confusion, some pain, and some suffering. Uh, the marriage covenant, uh, we need to understand it has no escape clause. Uh, so we should be entering it uh, with the pretense that uh, I think the Guy, one of the gentlemen in the video said there's no backup <laughs> gear on, on it. Uh, it's just simply you should be looking at it as a lifelong relationship that I've now uh, entered into. Uh, and what we do know based on God's word is divorce is a big deal for the reputation of Jesus. And that's the way we should be looking at it. I think when we first got reunited... Pearl had been into seeking and reading a lot longer than I had. But I was at that point where I knew I had changed my life. And when she came along, uh, I started opening my Bible, seeking more, and she told me that I should come to her church because this was a Bible teaching, family oriented church. And I did. I came and I actually fell in love with everybody. <laughs> One of the things we do want to portray up here today, we just wanted to be known we definitely do not have a pat on marriage. So please don't leave here and say that, you know, we got some good stuff. They know what they're talking about. Mm -hmm. Uh, We just honestly want you guys to know that while we were preparing this material, God really worked with us. So if this has been for nobody else when you leave here, know that the speakers today, it was all for us 
So if we are the one couple that God helps today or has helped, uh, we just want that to openly be known that the material that we went through uh, to prepare for this seminar, uh, we definitely chewed on it uh, and we've had to use it Up. these few weeks. <laughs> this car might not have a reverse, but it ran me over a couple of times. <laughs> Because a lot of times, you know, you don't realize how selfish you can be until you are confronted. So, Amen. unfortunately, my wife had to suffer through a few of them. Amen. So, with that being said, we're going to uh, go into uh, session one, uh, Love Happens. Uh, we all know that, that it happens. So, we just kind of want you to understand a little bit about what it means in receiving your spouse and, and how that could uh, happen a little less um, painfully uh, for you. Uh, Genesis 2.18 says, The Lord God said it is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Adam received Eve because he knew and trusted God not because of Eve's performance. Uh, and God doesn't love us that way either. Uh, God doesn't love us based on performance or, or anything we can do uh, to earn his love. So if we're going to be exemplifying the image of Christ, uh, that might mean that I'm going to have to not say some things maybe about ten times in one week. Just overlook some stuff. Uh, and we'll get into a little bit of that more uh, later. Receiving your spouse means that you have to accept more than yourself. And you have to realize that everybody has baggage. Um, good history, bad history. But when you marry, you marry that too. So... There are differences, and there's some of the differences could be family history. Uh, was their family a church-going family? Uh, did they have harmony in their family? Past relationships, were they good or bad? Religion, do they have it or not? This is my favorite. Getting revenge when I'm wrong. <laughs> And it doesn't help. It just makes the situation even worse. So uh, a lot of times I've had to admit that I was wrong and go on. One thing that is a little different in our lives is my wife likes to talk more than me. I'm more of a listener, uh, support her when she's speaking. But what I do understand is God is calling men to step up and not their wives. Number two in receiving your spouse is simply just remembering the day that you stood at the altar. Uh, and just remembering that your spouse is a gift that God has given you. Uh, and I think sometimes that's, that's a hard one. 
for all of us to just, uh, we all can identify, you know, getting a gift at a birthday or Christmas time, we're all excited. Uh, so that's the way we should really be uh, seeing our spouse as a gift that God has given uh, to us. Whatever package that gift comes wrapped in, uh, we are to be receiving them just as. Number three is receiving our spouse should be a daily chore we make, which means it starts with me. I must choose to believe my spouse is not my enemy. I'm my own worst enemy because I pick fights, moody, brooding, childish in another word. I must choose to believe I married the right person and treat her like she is the right one. I was told that if you treat her like she's the right one, she will become the right one. She told me this is forever and there's no going back. So, uh, divorce is not an option. I must renew my commitment to my marriage daily. Sometimes you just don't feel it. <laughs> but you have to force yourself to remember that this is my gift. And if I abuse it, nine times out of ten I'm going to lose it. So I have to forget who I am and my needs and actually concentrate on her and her needs. I must make sure my marriage reflects the glory of God. When I was married before, we didn't have a church life. So we didn't really practice God ethics. But now that I do, it's, it's, it's almost like trying to catch up. You know, and sometimes I get frustrated because I'm not where I want to be. But then I look back. I'm not where I was either. <laughs> Amen. As we become a blessing to each other, we become a blessing to others. I think my biggest thing was helping others. I was in a sheltered world where me, myself, and I were my only companions. <laughs> so to go outside of my uh, comfort zone was a little different for me. But with the help of my wife, I'm moving away from being just selfish and thinking only of myself. It's kind of hard when you wake up with this person that jumps out of bed in the morning time. I'm talking from the time I hit the floor. I'm a morning person. I am definitely a morning person. I hit the floor. First thing on my agenda, I'm already calculating what I'm going to have for breakfast. And I'm just this first thing in the mornings. I remember one year at the office, one of my coworkers looked at me and said, can you please, please, it's too early in the morning, please. <laughs> so God has had to work with me. I, I've had to learn this man that uh, sometimes this thing in front of my face can be just a little overwhelming for him. Mm -hmm. So I've had to learn how to just reel that in and, you know, 
as he uh, quoted uh, this last piece, as we become a blessing to each other, we become blessings to others. So one thing I've, I've realized that working with him and understanding that that could be overwhelming for him, that's the introvert and not the extrovert, it's helped me to understand that sometimes I need to just sit at a dinner table with others or at a lunch table, whatever, and just kind of quiet myself, hear them, and just, you know, so I, I believe that this thing called marriage, God has multiple, multiple purposes uh, in areas that he wants to grow you, not only in that relationship, but in all of your relationships. So that's helped me uh, be acquired. And so sometimes when he's looking at a movie or something, I'm just laying next to him, uh, and I'm enjoying the movie, and I, I've learned to just, I have to not ask so many questions during the movie. Because <laughs> I am that person that I need to know the what, when, why, how, how far are we going, and, you know, did you get enough gas, and, you know, I need to know where, where we headed. And sometimes... You know, all of that is just not necessary. God says, just trust me. Just trust me. I've given you this head. Uh, and just kind of sit over and just be the companion that I've uh, allowed you to be. So uh, with that being said, uh, we're going to open the floor up. Uh, I understood last night that we uh, had some individuals that were really wanting to know if we were going to entertain uh, questions or anything. And of course, uh, anything that we share, uh, God has allowed us to discuss how vulnerable we would be with our own lives uh, and, and share and what parts of us we, we would share uh, with you. I, I think my husband uh, wanted to just kind of um, <laughs> share with you guys. He did. He asked me. Uh, if he could share how we uh, became a couple and, and uh, tell that story. So I told him, of course, darling. <laughs> um, actually, I met Pearl quite a while ago at skating. Hey. Hey, we roller skate, yeah. <laughs> And actually, she was married to her deceased husband at that time. And I really didn't care too much for him because he was uh, abusive. Uh, he was a bodybuilder, and he thought that, you know, it was all right to have other lady friends while he was married. And I really didn't like that part of it. But I always enjoyed the way Pearl skated, and I used to skate behind her. And <laughs> <laughs> roll with the groove. <laughs> so we were separated for some time and years. And one Sunday, I was living with my mother, and uh, on Sundays, they would go out to eat. And this Sunday, they were going to a particular place that I really, really didn't care for. 
But I to say I didn't care for the place either, but it was my sister's Sunday to choose where we went. <laughs> <laughs> she loved this particular place, so it was her Sunday. So we were both in a place that we didn't really care about the food, <laughs> so, but we were there. And, uh, so I knew if I was going to eat <laughs> that Sunday, I had to go along too. And I guess we'll just keep that place nameless right now. But I had gotten my food, and I was sitting there, and all of a sudden this white dress went by, and I said, that looks like Pearl. See, that's what a wife does. Nobody else is going to wipe your nose for you. So I called out, and uh, actually I went up and gave her a hug, and she looked at me, and I'm like, ooh, wow, I never hugged her before. So I went back to my table, and I was sitting there with my mother and my sister, and I kept looking over my shoulder. My mother said, well, what are you doing sitting here just looking over your shoulder? Go there and talk to her. (laughs) I'm not the jump up and spring up kind of type person, but I said, well, this opportunity ain't going to last long. (laughs) So I went over and asked if she minded if I sat at the table with her. And she didn't, so we sat there and we talked, and I asked her if she liked movies. She said yes. So I said, well, is there a chance we can go to a movie? We still haven't got to that movie, but (laughs) it's coming. It's coming. As long as I owe you, you'll never go broke. And she was reluctant to give me her phone number, and I can understand it. But she did tell me she was divorced, and I'm like, okay, Lord, are you trying to tell me something? (laughs) And uh, right after we started talking, An emergency came up in her life where her son had gotten injured in Texas. And I'm living in Cleveland. Pearl lives in Akron. And she had to go to the airport at 5 o'clock in the morning in Cleveland. And I told her, I said, well, uh, I'll come pick you up and take you to the airport. And she said, you'll come all the way up here and do that? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I ain't got no problem with it. I'm a driver. That's what I do. I'll be there. And I picked her up, took her to the airport, and we talked every day she was gone. Over a month. Over a month. And uh, she told me when she was coming home. And I said, well, I'll be there. And I understand her father told her, well, if he's picking you up at a certain time, you should be home by a certain time. Well, I picked her up, and we were laughing and joking, and every once in a while I look at my watch. He said, well, why are you looking at your watch? I said, didn't your daddy tell you to be home by a certain time? (laughs) So I made sure she was home, and we made that call. And I think the first time I met Pastor, I was nervous because I didn't know what to expect. 
but uh, it was a real nice meeting. The one I was afraid to meet <laughs> was mommy. <laughs> because they had said that she is hard on folks and she would do this and she didn't care for too many. <laughs> but when I met her, I said, I don't see what everybody was saying. And love her with all my heart. And she is a sweet person. Amen. So the, we decided after some time that we would tie the knot. If you have a question, just raise your hand we, so we can have you on the mic. Or comments. Okay. If they tell you, oh, yes, I was brought up in the church. I, I used to go to church, but I'm not going right now. You better start being aware. Because you can't change people. You can't make them do anything. And with my first husband, he said he you know, was brought up in the church. And he said, well, I'll start back later. And that later never came. Mm-hmm. And we had three children. And after a while, the children, well, my youngest son said, well, Mommy, uh, why didn't Daddy go to church? I said, I don't know. Go and ask him. So um, I can say this for him. Uh, He never stopped me from going to church. He always said he was going to start back. He never did. But when the children were blessed, he did come out. Because I don't want people to think I had this baby by myself. So he came out for each blessing. But he never really uh, went to church. And the only good thing I can say about that is he didn't stop me. He never said, well, stay home with me this Sunday. And we went every Sunday. You know, every Sunday, everybody was, you know, well. Well, when I was a child, it was me and my sister. I had a stepfather, and he never went to church either. So I can understand where uh, the women play an important role in church because they really dominate the people who go. Um, I had a discussion with a gentleman at work, and he told me, he said, you know what, I think it's really funny. He said, when you go get ready to go buy a car, you go online, you'll investigate, you'll see what it costs, what the reviews are. He said, but you don't do that before you get a spouse. You look at them, they say, ooh, that's a good-looking woman. I'm going to marry her. So I think if people do more investigating into people's backgrounds, they could probably eliminate some of the bad ones. I mean, it's just a thought. Yes, sir. Um, You made a statement that we all come with baggage. Yes, sir. How do the mate help unpack the baggage of one another? How do you help each other with your baggage? Okay. 
I'm gonna take that one because uh, when Walter and I were dating, uh, there was an incident where I, I started crying. I told him, look, you know, I have a distrust in men because of my past uh, relationship. And one of the things that really floored me, uh, his response to me, he looked across the table at me and he said, I understand, how can I help you with that? How can I simply help you with that? Uh, so I, I think his kind words, uh, he didn't bolt <laughs> and run uh, because I was coming with this baggage but he simply asked how could he help me with that baggage. And we use that today uh, in our relationship. Uh, we discuss some rough things, uh, so we support uh, one another in that area. I don't know if Walter wants to add anything or not, but. Um, I partially knew what her baggage was. So I told her, you're not the only one with baggage. And I gave her a background of my background. And I said, I can handle your baggage if you can handle mine. And we just try to work through baggage. But um, history, as long as you don't repeat it, it's just history. Um, you have to go forward and you have to be willing to help understand and do whatever it takes to make that person forget their baggage. So sometimes you have to go out of your comfort zone. And I understand that women are always under a covering, if not by their father, by ex. And what they're looking for is somebody to take that covering and cover them from then on. But you have to be willing to be a coverer and give her what they need. Just one more kind of comment. I don't know if you guys are going to touch on it later. But there's one situation that comes up, especially in Christian circles, where one spouse gets saved after the marriage. So now you're unequally yoked, not by commission, per se. Mm -hmm. Like both of you were unsaved at the time, and then maybe a few, in my case, with my first marriage, two years in, I got saved, but my ex never did. So is there a different way to support yourself within the marriage relationship when you're now dealing with that type of an issue? Is that something you're going to touch on later, or just a, just a comment to keep aware of? I would say, uh, with that being said, if one of you became uh, saved after the marriage, if, if I understand you, then in essence you were equally yoked when you took on the marriage itself. Uh, and now one of you became saved, and I believe, uh, according to God's word, uh, and I don't know the, the scripture right off the top of my head, but you do not have uh, a right. Uh, and I was reading, and I forget what materials uh, it was, 
and that was one of the particular topics that it was talking about, and it says that uh, the one that is more knowledgeable now has the uh, more responsibility, and uh, it specifically said to me, because I was studying, and that this may be, I may have been studying this in my prior marriage, uh, because he wasn't saved, I didn't have a right to either provoke him into leaving or uh, uh, provoke him into being angry enough to um, get out of the marriage. So we don't have that right. So you being the saved one, you don't have an out. It's not a biblical reason to my understanding for that marriage to be dissolved. Uh, now, the word does very specifically say that if the unsaved one leaves, let him leave. So, some people kind of like, okay, I, I started this, like you say, we were equally yoked at the time. We were both unsaved, but mm -hmm. now I've accepted Christ or he's accepted Christ. What happens next? Sometimes people think they are free to just walk out of the no. situation when they really are not. No. I just want to say something really quick. Um, it had to do with the previous question about um, what do you do to deal with the baggage? And I think that Lynn and I are on our second marriage, so we both had baggage coming in. We, what we wound up doing was we just talked. We just would, whenever it came up, we would just talk it through. We just uh, have conversations about uh, the good, the bad, uh, all those things that happen because that's, the talking is how you process it all. Because if you don't talk about it, it still needs to be addressed one way or the other. You want to address it in a way that is positive. And, and from that, just talking through it and and it, there was no rhyme or reason or time where we had like to say, like, hey, let's sit down and talk. It would just happen just during regular conversations. It's just something that comes out. We've had to do it from time to time, and we still do it, not as much, but we still do it every now and then just as a way of processing where we are today. And, and a lot of it, is, frankly, is that, boy, where we were before versus where we are now, like, amen, uh, we're blessed to be where we are today. I think that's where you, you kind of come down and circle back and realize how you blessed you really are. And you've learned from those things in the past as well, too. So you don't, uh, like Walter said, don't repeat them. Now, I will say one thing, though, uh, to that, because I don't want anybody. We have not discussed all of our glory detail. I don't think that that's applicable. Uh, we dealt with the situation at hand. Uh, and we will deal with uh, with uh, a little bit of, of this uh, later on where it's just dealing with people's hurt feelings. You know, people get hurt sometimes for no reason at all. It has nothing to do with you. Uh, but I, I just don't think that sitting down and, you know, just going through all it because some things my husband says I just don't care to even know. And I'm sure there's just some things that he, you know, don't want anybody to know but the Lord. Uh, so they, we, we didn't just sit down and we just tear all our wounds and just put it all out and this detail from when I was 16. And, and No, that's not what we're saying, but 
in order to, like Mel say, understand why I was hurt about a particular thing maybe he said or did, then there needs to be some talking and investigating uh, in that. Okay. Uh, Faith, I think. might say, well, you know, when they explain it to me, I'm going, ooh, that's too much. Right, you right, know, and those right. images are there. And I was trying to figure out from a spouse um, situation, how do you balance what is too much versus, you know what I mean? Right. What's right. appropriate to share sometimes. Yeah. And because you want to say, oh, I should be able to confide with them with everything. Uh -huh. But you know, if you do everything, sometimes, like you said, those mental images that cre are created in right. their head, right. it might cause you know, conflict or, right. yeah. Right. Right. I think you need to use a little judgment on how much you want to tell them. As long as you weren't a mass murderer or something like that. I mean <laughs> 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 most people can handle most of it. <laughs> I mean, you know. Uh, uh, my question is, is how much should family have an influence in, so I'm not married yet, much influence that our families have on it in terms of a bunch of our baggage comes from the differences between our families, one side of the family not agreeing with what the other person wants to do with their life and um, just totally different sides of, of things. We're going to touch on some of that later, but one of the wisest things that my doctor dad told me to do, and I took him up on it, and I'll give you a scenario as to why that was helpful for us compared to someone else we know. Uh, he told me to get in the trenches. Go see, go see that other family because you need to know what you get did. You need to understand. It helped me to understand uh, some of uh, my husband, why he maybe didn't respond or or react to maybe certain conversation or whatnot. And what I realized, his family and he, they come together very close knit. I love my mother-in-law uh, to death. That, that's my, my patsy. And she loves me as much too. But when the family comes together, they have very surfacey conversations. They're not getting deep in. Uh, it's uh, well, where did Tory play his game at today? Or, you know, the job this or the job that. So I hung with my husband. He was taking me to family events, and he was letting me see and getting a good dose of the family. Whereas he has a brother that married like three months before us, and his wife is still married with the family because she feels that uh, the family likes me more, but what she didn't understand was Walt was dragging me along with every family event. I was there. I was going and I was loving on people. And what she don't understand is that Walt's sister, Brenda, she <laughs> Brenda loves me to death. <laughs> Brenda didn't like nobody <laughs> that rolled in. But what the Lord had me to do, and I think the differences is my walk with Christ, and Kimberly's walk with Christ, my sister-in-law that's married to his brother, was two in two different places. Me, I went in, and when I realized with discerning that Brenda wasn't trying to like nobody, and 
Every time I would show up, I would hug Brenda, and she would <laughs> cringe, but I would hug and kiss her. Now when we show up, Brenda loving on me before I even get to her. Hey, baby, how you doing? So I don't know if that helped, and, and maybe we'll touch on some other later on, uh, but did that answer your question? Okay. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> You had one more, you said? Later on? Okay. Did that kind of get you started? Did you have something? Yeah, the best way to find out uh, about another person is see how they interact with their family, how their family interacts with each other, what their views are. Uh, And if you sit back and look, you'll get a good understanding of what's going on. But Pearl ain't the kind to sit back. <laughs> Pearl be in there with both feet. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the way you got to do. I mean, you know, you have to make your mark. Because uh, my sister was the only girl. So I think she was kind of intimidated when other women came around. And uh, Now, there is an order uh, to your relationship if you're potentially looking at uh, marrying. There is an order to um, how much family that you two will allow. And I believe that uh, another good example, we had my mom up uh, last year and there was something that transpired. So my husband was supposed to take her to an appointment that she had and I, t- I called him from work no I'm, I told my boss I'm going to leave so I'm going to take her so I, while I wasn't mean to my mom after her appointment I said mom we need to talk and I said you're probably not going to like what I have to say but I shared with her that my husband is just married in his family and I want him to feel loved I want him to feel like you know He's a part of his family, and this, 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 and that cannot transpire. You can't talk to him this way. You can't do this. And so it was my responsibility to take that, not my husband, to handle that situation because that was my mother. Because uh, you, you kind of borderline, you, you, if he had handled it, you know, he may not have handled it, you know, and so then I'm going to be... <laughs> So then I'm going to be feeling some kind of way because it was my mom or whatever. So I handled it, and and afterwards, it was Tuesday, and she wasn't due to leave until that weekend. My husband was scared that I had roughed mom up. He was like, well, what what happened? And the only thing I said was, you're probably not going to like what I have to say, but here are some things we need to, you know, not do or, or say. And I just shared with her, we're not fixing to cuss and fuss each other. We're going to talk as two Christians about this matter. And I shared with her that I wanted my husband to feel love. And I told her at the end of the conversation, she's probably going to be mad and want to leave early, but that's okay. And she could, but it was going to be at her expense because I had paid her round trip too. But <laughs> she was good. Yeah. And my husband, she she kind of adjusted so much. My husband, that night he was like, well, what, what did you did do you to do? her? Did you? I said I did. Did you scare her to death? For the rest of the week, she 
she was, you know, so she made the adjustment. So I believe that the onus is upon us when it's my family. You know, I have to take that responsibility to make sure that I protect this relationship at all costs, and I'm not letting my family, friends, or whoever uh, harm this relationship here. And, and she, she's bigger than me. <laughs> so uh, there, there is an order that, that God requires, especially after you say I do, that you protect this relationship. Boundaries and priorities. Right. There's who's first and who's second and who should be allowed to be involved in that relationship. And with that being said, I think uh, we're going to take a little bit of a break right there. uh, And I think Nell and Lynn will direct you on that. Take a 10-minute break um, for you to... Go ahead and get some more food. Uh, if you need to go use the restroom, however you want to do it, uh, go ahead and do so. Thank you.
Since I lost my baby Since I lost my baby Birds are singing Children are playing And once again, here is Walter and Pearl Kahn. go back to, uh, we wanted to go back to uh, the young man's question about how much um, uh, intervening should uh, family uh, and we wanted to direct him to uh, look at numbers 30 so that he understands uh, what he's taking on the covering of his wife Uh, if you look at Numbers 30, uh, at your spare time, or what, uh, a little bit later, uh, read through uh, where it talks about uh, the husband leaving the parents, how you really should uh, uh, make that uh, uh, transition. Uh, actually, Numbers 30 is going to uh, talk about... Um, uh, the wife making a vow when she's under the covering of the father, then when she transitions to the covering of the husband. So there are some things that, that you're going to be taking on to cover her uh, in in making vows when she speaks, if you don't address some things. And the one um, scenario that comes to mind is, who was it, baby, we just studied? Uh, she had the gods. Uh, she had a, a idol uh, god that she had brought along uh, in the marriage. It was Rachel, and her husband at some point found the idols. He knew about them. He just didn't address it. Yeah. So there are going to be some things that you, as a potential husband, are going to have to understand before you enter into uh, that relationship. Uh, and then I wanted to also direct you into understanding how you're to be leaving and cleaving to the wife, uh, the right way to do that, respectfully leaving your parents. Uh, and what that whole scenario is talking about is when you leave, you should unattach financially, emotionally, mentally. You should not be calling mom and dad any longer. Uh, for financial support. Uh, so that is something you might want to also uh, review. So you're really going to be taking on uh, a lot of responsibility. Uh, part of that uh, protecting of her comes with a security piece in there as well, too. Uh, and when I read scripture, I understand it from both parts. I shared from my part where I protected my relationship 
but as the husband, you also have some protective pieces in there too. Okay, with that being said, I think my husband is going to get the video set up.
initiated when, when the confrontation takes place. What happens for me is, when I go to God, God in His grace always gives me greater insight because the Spirit now will work in my heart. And so the confession I will, I will make then will be deeper. Uh, it will be less uh, weakened by blame shifting or executions and because God has tenderized my heart and given me greater insight. In order to be reconciled, there's, there's got to be truth there. There's got to be all the truth. You know, speaking the truth in love for five years. So why is God's plan so difficult to follow and experience? We must never be naive enough to think marriage is a safe harbor from the fall. The deepest struggle in life will happen in marriage. The Holy Spirit gives us power to grow in relationship with God and each other. John 14:6 You must first you are my friend if you do what I command. Hmm? I'm sorry, it was 16. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. 
And so whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. Amen. John 14, 4, 14, 16. Yes, ma'am. Couples naturally drift towards isolation. The good news is it can be defeated if you're willing to choose the right necessary efforts into building oneness. Love each other unconditionally. Our differences and weaknesses can push us apart. Feelings are a terrible indicator of reality. But the Holy Spirit helps us to forgive one another. And I think a lot of times we just go and get mad and not stop before we do that. I'm guilty. Uh, a lot of times I will go off the deep end and then after I think about it, I say, ooh, I shouldn't have did that. I shouldn't have said that. I'm asking the Lord to help me before I get to that point to understand that it wasn't that serious. What would Jesus do? I'm sure you wouldn't get mad like I do. <laughs> but then again, I'm human. And I've got some learning to go. And with the help of my wife and the teaching of Jesus, I will. Galatians 5:22 and 23. Fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. That's the part I really need. Self-control. One reason couples drift apart is that they fail to make their marriage the priority it should be. Because we are culturally conditioned to believe that our happiness ought to be our number one priority. Happiness should be our number one priority in marriage, not selfishly. This lady's happiness should come before mine. Her needs should come before mine. Her desire should come before mine. And it, sometimes I forget about that because my needs are my needs. And I forget I'm not the one who should be needing. I should be the one who is providing. So our roles kind of differ in some respects. And like we said at the beginning, this seminar is helping us because the more I read it the more I understood that I wasn't doing what I needed to do words and water are easily spilt but it's hard to regain so I have to have the Lord shorten my tongue before I speak and then I wouldn't have to keep saying, I'm sorry, baby, I didn't mean it. I'm sorry, baby, I didn't do it. I'm sorry, baby, that we had to go through this. 
Because I know she gets tired of hearing that too. Selfishness is the root problem of isolation. I wouldn't trade him for the world, though. Thank you, God. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. um, We're now going to delve into an area that I think that...